Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Andrew Smith-Lewis, the CEO of Cerigo, C-E-R-E-G-O. The website is cerigo.com. So, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So, tell me the premise of Cerigo. The the name's interesting. Where did the name come from and what's the company about? Uh, The name, Cerigo, comes from Sarah, kind of her brain, like cerebellum, and go to proceed. So, the genesis of the name was to get your brain to proceed, which we think is a good thing to do. Um, and the company is about, the mission of the company is to really be able to measure and improve human potential. We want to make people smarter uh, using a combination of some narrow AI and cognitive science. So uh, make them smarter in what way? Better memory, uh, able to think more clearly? Yeah, good question. So um, Sergo is about the concept that we can radically improve people's ability and speed to learn material and to help them hang on to that longer, retain it, and ultimately to kind of quantify what they know. So the main thrust of what we're doing is using some very well-proven research that speaks to um, increasing retention over time and to be able to then use that information you've learned for whatever it is you're doing, passing a test, going through nursing school, performing on the job, et cetera. So what's the mechanism that you guys use to help people improve all those metrics? The mechanism. So good question. So it's a combination of things. Um, uh, the we've developed a. So let me let me step back. First of all, it's a platform. Um, the platform has web and mobile applications. The platform is content agnostic, meaning it works with anything. So whether you are in the ninth grade learning biology, or you're at the Mayo Clinic studying neuroscience, or you're at a corporation learning sales procedures, the system is able to basically. Uh, ingest this content and help learners learn it. Um, the learning side of Serigo is a series of algorithms that we've kind of developed and battle tested. Um, we've nicknamed our main algorithm DARPA, which stands for the Distributed Adaptive Retrieval Practice Algorithm. A little bit of a mouthful, but it takes, it takes advantage of two of the most readily provable phenomena for learning. One is called distributed learning, which says, hey, If long-term retention is your goal, you need to spread the information out over time, which we all kind of intuitively know, but the devil's in the details of how do you do that user by user, item by item. And the other is this concept of retrieval practice that says when you engage in learning, you need to do it in such a way that you kind of stimulate the brain, stimulate that neural net in such a way that you really hang on to that information. And that can be through some sort of a probe or question or something that's got a certain amount of desirable difficulty to it. And so by Developing this algorithm that can measure what you know and predict your future performance, we're able to basically take anyone on a device uh, that has content that they need to hang on to and have them learn it and retain it generally in about half the time that it would normally take with a whole lot better in terms of outcomes. So how do you speed it up? Have you figured out the optimal distance between learning periods or you know, what other factors do you, do you tweak to make it better? 
Well, speed is a, is, a, is a function of efficiency. And one of the things is that when somebody sits down to learn, a lot of their time and energy goes into trying to figure out, well, what should they do now? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? What should they focus on? How do they prepare for that test or deployment or whatever they have going on? And there's a lot of um, self-regulation or what we call metacognition in the equation. The problem is that we never really teach anybody how to be efficient learners. So you can be very, very, very smart. It doesn't mean you're a very, very efficient learner. So what the algorithm does is kind of replace that that self-assessment process for you. So when I come into the system, it says, hey, Andrew, welcome back. Here's some new content. Here's some review content. And off you go. And by focusing my energy on exactly what I need to see when, it becomes a highly efficient model for getting in and out very quickly. So I'll give you an example. We have in any given time 80,000 nursing students through one of our publishing partners using Serigo. And the content they're studying is very complicated. And they can get in and out of the application on a mobile device in 10 minutes, having a very targeted, specific, and effective learning experience where most people can't open the textbook in 10 minutes and, and figure out where they left off. Do you know what I mean? Well, how do you do that? Do you monitor, um, you know, do you test them each time they do a lesson and then you look and see what they got wrong or do you test them when they come back, see what they got wrong yeah. and serve up to them the things they just need to work on? You're on the right track. Um, Serigo, when, you're, when you see content in Serigo, you're either being presented it uh, in a review or for the first time, you might be watching a video or reading a document or, or interacting with some kind of a diagram or simulation. And at some point in the future, we're gonna ask you about that information. But we're gonna space out the, the asking of that in such a way that we're asking you just when you're on the verge of forgetting it, which is the optimal time to rebuild that memory. And so by spacing out on a user by user, item by item basis, the presentation and then the review of that content in this highly efficient way, we know it exactly where you are and when you need to see it in the future. And then we take into account some things like, well, if we quiz you, how cognitively difficult was the quiz? Is it multiple choice? Is it fill in the blank? Are you you know, asked to do something that has a higher level of cognitive um, complexity to it? When was the last time you saw that item? And how did you do at that point? And what was your pattern of seeing this item up until now? A little bit about your latency of response and how long you're spending with that item. And we can use all that data to figure out how well do you know something now? And then when and how do we show it to you in the future? What, um, I have a couple of questions. So why would you wait until someone almost forgets something? And how would you know that you waited long enough so they almost forgot something? It's kind of odd. That's a really, really good question. That's a really, really good question. So I'm going to tell you my, uh, well, let me ask you a question. Do you know my wife's name? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever asked. Good. So um, I'd be worried if you did, but my wife's name is Cindy. So let me ask you, what's my wife's name? Cindy. How would you spell that? Uh, probably the traditional way, C-I-N-D-Y. Yeah, you got it. So right now you, have, you know my wife's name. Do you think in, in three days you're going to remember my wife's name? Yeah, probably not, unless something else would trigger the memory of that. Yeah, right, exactly. So if I said, if I repeat my wife's name to you right now three times, Cindy, 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 it's not going to help you in three days. But if I space that out, if you and I talked in like tomorrow morning and I reminded you that my wife's name was Cindy, and then we did it a day later, the odds are in three days you'd remember. So the important point is to figure out when's the right time to reintroduce this material 
so that you get some benefit to it. Because obviously just saying Cindy, 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 Cindy isn't going to do us any good right now. Now the question is, how do you measure that point? How do you know when is the right point to introduce it? And what happens is with our system, when you start using Serigo, we ask you some questions. And then we predict your future response. So let's say we predict in two days you will have forgotten my wife's name. And we ask you, hey, what was that guy's name that you interviewed on Friday? What was his wife's name? And you get it correct. And you spell it correctly first time out of the gate. There's probably, a, there's probably a, um, an error in our calculation. There's a gap between the prediction where we thought you'd probably forget it and the reality of where you are. And we plug that gap between prediction and reality into that um, into the evaluation of your memory strength for that item. And so by doing this over and over, we have what's called an error corrective model. So every time you touch Serigo, we get a little bit smarter about where you are in the journey. And by doing that, the system gets really, really sticky. And that stickiness is reflective of just showing you things at, the, at that optimal moment where there's still a little bit of difficulty, but you haven't completely, completely lost it. That kind of make sense? Well, why don't you do other tricks? Like, uh, you know, if you find that people have the hardest time remembering certain things, why not tell stories about them? Like, if you wanted me to remember your wife, why wouldn't you say, like, you know, hey, she's a great marathon runner and she just won the Boston Marathon. And then I'm more likely to remember that because I have a detail about her and just not just a name. Yeah. So what you're talking about is something called variable encoding theory, which says that the more information and connections you have to the target you're trying to learn, the easier it is to recall it. So some guy's wife and his name and their name is Cindy doesn't give you a lot of variable encoding. There's not a lot of meat on the bones there. So you're right that by providing more information, the experience gets richer and the memory gets stickier. So when we work with partners, for example, we, we've had a program at UT Austin that's been teaching jazz powered by Serigo for a couple of years. And they have had, I think the number is 135,000 students go through one of the MOOC platforms on jazz. And what's interesting there is that they're incorporating not just Chet Baker and that he was a cool jazz uh, trumpet player, but they've got clips of audio and they've got pictures of Chet Baker's and descriptions of Chet Baker. And by doing that, you create a richer experience. But still, all of that is controlled by the algorithm. So I think you're 100% correct. The richer the, the, the content, the better the experience, um, but you still want a really smart algorithm to do it. And what we've seen, I'll give you some, you know, I'll give you an example of results. We've seen, for example, New York University Dental School um, for three years running use Serigo, and they've created some very rich and interesting content um, for the National Dental Board exams, and they have seen phenomenal results. They've gone from a historic pass rate of about 80% to one year 100%, the other two years like 99.8% pass rates for thousands of students by combining the algorithm with the right content. And that's a really important right. thing for Serigo. All right, so you do incorporate that as well. A hundred percent. It's not a prerequisite. I mean, you can drop in your favorite hundred Chinese verbs um, and their definition and the, the system will work just fine. But, and what's interesting about it is even if it's more difficult for you to remember, you may see that content more often, but if it's got rich media around it, it could be the case that you don't need to see it as often because you're really building that memory strength. Is there, um, is there a better way to teach nursing 101, for instance, after you've reviewed data on 10,000 people going through it through your app, um, 
versus like, oh, it has to be customized for everybody and everyone's different. Uh, I, I would think there's a lot of best practices that help you improve how the course is taught regardless. Yeah, I would say that I would say that that's true. And mostly where it comes out is something that we on our insight side. So there are three parts of Sergo. One is an authoring environment. One is the learning uh, algorithm side and the applications that we've been discussing so far. And the other is on the insight side. Part of the insight you could imagine being a nursing 101 instructor is, hey, how are my students doing? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? And some things about their behavior and cognitive ability. But the other is on the content insight. So we can tell a nursing instructor about how the content is performing. And that instructor then gets them what I would call targeted intervention. So she can walk into class, pull out her mobile phone, and know that everybody's mm. having trouble with certain types of material. And that will then, there's a virtuous cycle from studying on your own to the instructor getting the real-time analytics to walking into class and saying, hey, we're going to talk about hemorrhagic shock today because I see that that's something everybody's struggling with. Oh, okay. So it is a back and forth and you are doing that. Oh, yeah. That's super important. And, and we really embrace cool. instructors because I'll tell you what we've seen from our data. And we have literally thousands of EDUs that are using Sarago. What we see from the data is that the more engaged instructors end up with students who do better, right? So there's high correlation right. between instructor engagement and student outcomes. And the way we look at instructor engagement is, are they paying attention to the report? How deeply are they looking at that information, right? And so what we try to do is create applications and experiences really for the instructor as well so that you can understand your students and figure out what are the steps I can take to improve their outcomes and to improve the course. Um, I guess this probably happens more in high school or grade school, sadly, but, you know, you probably don't want to deal with teachers that are locked in and have to teach to the test because then, um, you know, Serego can help people just pass a test, which is not really like ideal. It's really better. I would think if you help them learn a subject and get good at it and get enjoyment out of it, are those two ever at conflict with what you do or you don't deal in that arena where you have that stuff? You know, I think, I think about that a lot because um, I think it's a really important issue and there's so much of our system is unfortunately rewarding the behavior of just passing the test. And so you have instructors that are pegged to that. I think the ones that realize that Sarago, so I'll go back to my New York University dental. Obviously it's important to pass the dental exam. What's interesting about this is not only did the pass rate go up, but the instructor uh, time was cut by 50%. So those instructors got half their time back using Sarago that they could then use for the more human-to-human -human interaction, right, and could do better things with their time and with their students than worry about the test prep side of it. So I think you get a two-for-one if you do it correctly. Yeah, even the fact that you'll, you you tell teachers to go back and recover material, I mean, that, you know, my experience with school, with college, was like, it's a train that never stops. So if you don't understand <laughs> yeah. something a few days go by, they keep going on to more and more material and you just get so frustrated you want to scream because you didn't understand and it's hard to get the answers and then it just keeps going and it won't stop and then you're like, I give up. So it's good I'm that with you know, you'll go back and cover stuff, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hmm. So uh, how does the, is your system such that I can put on any content and the AI will learn or do you have, do you have to put it on, you have to curate it and set it up and then over time it you know, over thousands of people going through a course, it'll get to a, a viable improvement. Like how Super good, good question. System? Super good question. So 
first of all, it's not based on a statistical model. We don't need you know, n number of students to run through something before we can start to do it. You can be one person on Sergo learning about, you know, Tibet, or you could be 10,000 people in a course, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter about the number of users, which is really, really important. When you put content into Sergo and you start off, we don't know a whole lot about you. But as you go through the learning process, we get some overt and covert signal, and we use that to be able to really improve this, the, the experience for you. So if you and I start off in a course on you know, learning Italian, um, the system's gonna have very little data about us. But soon it's gonna figure out that you've got some prior knowledge and that you're a fast language guy and I'm a bit slower and I got some issues with verbs. And so it's gonna start to really figure out how to present to us in such a way that we get to that same end goal. And you might've gone through it in three hours, it could have taken me 11 hours, but we can sort of compute that end state and make sure that we both get there independent of the amount of time and effort it took us. So what, what kind of courses get uh, put into Sarago? Like who makes them and how many courses do you have? So we are, so to clarify, we are an enterprise to enterprise or B to B to C kind of model. So we are not a, Hey, come on board and build a set for a Spanish course type of program. Mm -hmm. We, we sell to enterprises. Um, across K-12, higher ed, EDU, corporate government. So people build their own program. Um, it's really about enterprise learning at scale. Um, but with that said, there are, uh, I, you know, nearly 100,000 plus minus programs that have been developed on the platform, everything from aviation to astronomy to Dartmouth teaching Italian opera powered by Sarago. And the people who use our authoring environment tend to be um, instructor, instructors or instructional designers. Um, it's very easy to create content in Sergio and then remix it and reuse it. So we spend a lot of time on the authoring environment because teachers notoriously are short on time. And we just need to make it um, as frictionless as possible to be able to use the system. Well, what if I don't attend a university, but I want to take some of Sarago's courses? Can I do that? Is it open to individuals to subscribe? Um, good question. It is technically open to individuals to make their own stuff and to play with it, but there's no learning library where you can go in and find programs. Well, what if I just want to use, you know, you have a, I want to learn Italian opera, and you have a course on it, and I look through your catalog. Can I go take the course that's on your system, even though it's associated with, you know, I don't know, University of Nebraska or something? Yeah, no, not through Sarago directly because again, we don't have a we don't have a learning library where you can search for goodies from other programs. But if you were in the edX world, there are you know, I don't know, twenty different programs powered by Sarago within edX. So if you're on a MOOC platform learning Italian opera at the University of Nebraska, in this case it's actually Dartmouth, um the Sarago application comes up directly within the edX environment. So we we basically, if you think of, you think about it this way, we go to where the action is. So we go to where learners are within their university, within MOOCs, within corporations. Does that make sense? Yeah. What is uh, edX, by the way? What is edX? Yeah. Um, are you familiar with uh, MOOCs? I'm familiar with like uh, Coursera and you know places like that, but I haven't heard of okay. uh, an edX or MOOC yet. edX is the edX is the East Coast Coursera. It's got. Oh. I don't know, 8 million plus students on it. It's, 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 um, it's a not-for-profit profit built from the endowments of Harvard and MIT. It's basically Coursera not-for-profit on the East Coast. I think there are 300 or 400 schools. 
And you think about a MOOC, this is a great example. So a lot of MOOCs have videos and you know, discussions, and they've tried to take the classroom experience online, but they haven't really innovated about how people learn. They've innovated the where people learn, the delivery, but not how. And so what we can do is we can inject a little how magic through Serigo directly into that MOOC. So students that are studying whatever is in there get the benefit of the Serigo learning experience. And then those schools get the benefit of the data. Okay. Um, and just, you know, just in case people don't know, a MOOC would be like what, a, a multi-user online course or something like that? Or what is a MOOC Yeah, I think for? it stands for Massive Open Online Course. Mm, okay. The classic one being uh, the uh, Stanford professor who did machine learning and had 120,000 students come on board. So that was what kind of kicked off the revolution. I think it was Andrew Ning, and he started, I think he was one of the founders of Coursera. Anyway, that's what kind of yeah, kicked off. Yeah, I took off his course on Coursera, yeah. I know him. Yeah. There you go. That's what kicked off the revolution. Um, and with Serigo, had that course been powered by Serigo, you'd still remember that content. I was just thinking about it, actually, as we were talking, yeah, because uh, it – I liked how it was presented, but it didn't have anything that you're talking about. I had to go back myself and try to find stuff. And yeah, so I see why this would be so much more powerful. So um, for individual people, just I know this is not the intent, but they can go on edX and there are a number of courses powered by Serigo on there. Yeah, and you can also, so technically on the Serigo, if you go to serigo.com, there are free trials. You can try it on your own. You can play with it. So my feeling is that learning should always be accessible and open to end users. Um, we just don't provide third-party people's content at this point in an open marketplace. But we welcome individuals to try Serigo, download the either native iOS or Android apps, and there are some free trials, and you can play with it and kind of you know get a feeling for what this sort of personalized and predictive learning is about. Yeah, so what are the comments, you know, some of the comments you've gotten that uh, you thought were really interesting or helpful or insightful from users? Um, I think in higher ed, we're seeing about 90% uh, plus of users saying that they learn better with Serigo, that they would like to see Serigo in, in another program. Um, the biggest complaint we get, no, no kidding, is um, we get complaints from students in, um, and I'm thinking about the K-12 place in specifics where there are instructors who have started to use Serigo. The biggest complaint is when that kid walks out of a biology class powered by Serigo and goes down mm -hmm. the hall to a history class and there's no Serigo, they complain. They're like, why isn't this program on Serigo? Because once you start to learn this way, why would you want to do it any other way? And the, the efficiency cool. and scale is, is just superb. So when the right content goes into Serigo, it's a beautiful experience, and um, and people are happy, and the results that we see are are tremendous. We we um, we did some early research work um, sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and we saw really good retention rates um, in programs. I'll give you another you know anecdote. We worked with a uh, community college out here in California that was seeing about a 60% pass rate for an anatomy and physiology program. When they moved to Serigo and adopted our program, that pass rate went up to 97%. And they wow. no longer required a $375 textbook because they were using free and open resources to put that course together. So when I see things hmm. like that, I get really excited about, about helping students really excel academically and, and to move on. Well, this will create a better pool of uh, employable people for various employers, too, if they use Serigo. 
Like if uh, better pool if does... and faster, faster to retrain them. Yep. Well, I can see that, right, it, you could attach at some point a, a Serigo certification. If someone's going to go through something, they can get that diploma, that certification. But if it's uh, Serigo certified, that would mean to me as the potential employer or the person paying for this person to take the course that they've gotten a lot more out of it than just the regular course. So I could see you guys doing that uh, to really, you know, make all learning better. I, you know what, I agree with you, and I'll tell you one anecdote, if I, I may, related to what you're saying. We just announced um, a partnership with Africa Leadership University, which is out, um, I think they have three com uh, campuses in Africa, phenomenal school, and their focus is on creating the next generation of leaderships for the continent. And it's all about future student leaders. And they, have a they had a traditional admissions process where you would you know, write eight essays and they try to figure out from reading these eight essays, you know, who to let in. Um, and that was not an efficient model for them. They also realized that it wasn't really fair. They had a lot of first generation applicants to their schools who were spending hours and hours writing applications to be rejected. And they were very worried about kind of turning students off to the future of higher education. So long story short, they worked with Serigo to build a one week mobile course that teachers that teaches about ethics, morality, leadership, the values of the university, their vision for the future. It's a one-week program. It's powered by Serigo. And what they're doing is they're looking at the results from that program to help them make better selections based on student performance. So kind of so related if, uh, to your idea. Yeah, what, what if I run a, a company and I have certain trainings I want to do for my people? Um, how much of an effort would it be to serigoize them so that, you know, I know my employees are, are the training sinking in a lot better than just handing them like a yeah. handbook and saying, go read it. This is, this is the bread and butter of our business. Um, this is what we do. So our system, uh, we work with corporations to onboard their, their content. We, they either do it themselves or they get a little bit of help with us. And what the employer gets, is insight not only into retention, hey, a bunch of people learn this stuff, but you can look down and see, well, what are the rates? Who are, who are my fastest to learn, slowest to forget? Or who are my most diligent people? And what's interesting is that we leave it up to you to value that data. You might have a, a job that requires people that are highly agile and can switch gears fast. Um, and you can find those people within your data. Or conversely, you might have something that requires a certain amount of diligence and dedication, and you want people who are more kind of aligned that way. And now you have a data-driven model for finding that talent and understanding performance. So, you know, that's when, when, when we started off, I said we want to measure and improve human potential. You know, part of this is that the measurement and understanding gives really interesting insights, both for an individual, but also for, you know, a, a school or an organization that's trying to really match the right people with the right job. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Is it a lot of work to uh, put a course into Serigo or is it uh, not too bad? Um, I don't think it's too bad. Um, I'll tell you an, an anecdote around that. So one of our university partners, um, I'll leave their name out for now, but it's a, it's a, it's a top tier school launch came to us three weeks before they launched a 700 level biology course. And um, they, we said, hey, you know, it's possible. It's a little bit fast, but, um, you know, it's possible. And uh, we said, you need our help. They're like, no, 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 we're a technical school. We know how to build content. Don't worry. So they built the content. Mm -hmm. They launched this, um, I think it was a 10-week program. Well, everything went fine, but by week 
um, I think it was week five, students got to week five and their discussion boards just lit up with furious students. And um, the nature of the complaint was that the school, because they didn't have enough time, they only built content for half the program just to see if people liked it. And so you had these like, we had these biology students who all of a sudden got to this point and it's like, where's the rest of the content? So, you know, that's, that's my favorite uh, um, story about building content on Serago. It's, it is uh, straightforward. We have, we have clients who literally get up in long days, short weeks um, on the platform. All right. That, that's really cool. So um, last, last question or so, where is the, uh, what's the future for Serago over the next six months or a year? What's coming? Well, I, I think there's a, I would describe that in two ways. One is in terms of um, our uh, our growth. So we're we're seeing you know more than five times the number of users that we had last year in the system. So we're kind of on a tear in terms of growth. We're expanding in terms of our clients and reach from from companies using us to train biotech uh, salespeople to the U.S. Army training combat life saving powered by Serago to uh, universities. Great schools like the KIPP charter schools picking up Serago. So we're really in a in a pretty big expansion mode in terms of our growth, uh, which is great. I think you'll see more and more institutions powered by Serago for some really interesting content. On the technology side, we invest heavily in the research in both proving our algorithms and improving them over time, as well as making it easier and easier to use the system. That could be for, from a content creator's perspective, we, you know, using things like natural language processing to make it much easier to build content on Serago, uh, to extending out to, you know, more and more platforms. So we're really about lower the friction and increase effectiveness and grow, grow, grow. Very good. Well, this is a really interesting podcast. I want to check out your system and you know, I'll, I'll probably get to it first through edX, but uh, you know, for listeners, what's the best way for them to ask questions or engage or, you know, get involved, take a Serago course, et cetera. Yeah. I think the best thing to do is go to Serago.com, C-E-R-E-G-O.com, or look for us in the Google Play or um, Apple stores and uh, download the app from iTunes and, and away you go. And, and again, there are some sample courses in there to excite the possibilities, give you a feeling for what it's about. Um, and, uh, you know, we love hearing from users. Well, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.